Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Hello and welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Trey Scott, joined today by Evan Daniels with Jerry Meyer out. We have turned to Evan, the 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, who's sitting across from me in the Nashville offices. What up, what up? Evan, happy early signing day. Yeah, big big day. Signing uh, signing period begins today and goes till, till next Wednesday, so uh, should be fun. Well, I know you're a busy man right now, and we, we will kind of get you out of here in an inappropriate time frame. But we do have a lot to talk about. And with Jerry out, I was like, well, Evan, I need somebody to talk to me about all the things happening in the world of college basketball. And I suppose we should start with James Wiseman, who is playing for Memphis despite being deemed likely ineligible in a statement by the NCAA. Of course, this is pertaining to Wiseman receiving money from Penny Hardaway to move from Nashville to Memphis. That was well before Hardaway was Memphis's coach and well before Wiseman was a Memphis player. But Hardaway is classified as a Memphis booster for a donation to the school over 10 years ago. I'm going to get your thoughts in a second. Let me just kind of run this down for any any listeners who have been in a coma the last week. Hardaway, when asked earlier Tuesday why the school is going through such lengths to put Wiseman on the court, and again, Wiseman was deemed ineligible on Friday, Hardaway told ESPN, we just have his back, and we feel like we're right. Obviously, if it was any kid, it would be the same thing. That's just how we are. Of course, so this is not just any kid. This is James Wiseman, the number one player in the 24-7 sports composite, uh, potentially the number one pick in next summer's NBA draft. Evan, Memphis lost 82-74 to on or- to Oregon on Tuesday. Wiseman was limited in the first half due to foul trouble and wound up with 14 points and 12 rebounds. So we know what's on the horizon but we actually really don't. There's a court hearing scheduled for Monday, but the NCAA can act independently here. They can levy out future punishment as they see fit, including future postseason bans. You've been kind of digging around. What do you think happens here? It's a great question. I mean, it's it's one that I don't know that we fully know an answer to because we've never seen uh, a situation like this before. Uh, I spoke to, to one of uh, the members of, of James Wiseman's lawyer team, and uh, you know he he pointed to that hearing on Monday where um, they figure out the legitimacy of the TRO, the temporary restraining order, and uh, I think that's kind of the next step. And Memphis has made it clear that James Wiseman is going to play uh, until they're told otherwise. And, and obviously the NCAA disagrees with that decision. Uh, they came out with that statement uh, during the second game of the season when he played after them saying he was ineligible. So uh, this is a unique scenario, Trey. I don't think we've seen anything like this. I mean, um, what came out in, in terms of the uh, monetary amount that Penny Hardaway gave the family was $11,500, and uh, no one disputed that. Uh, it just happened uh, a full year before Penny Hardaway became the head coach. You know, by rule, Penny was a booster at that time, but that was a full year before 
the thought of Penny Hardaway becoming the head basketball coach at Memphis even transpired. So uh, it's a unique scenario. Um, yeah, we, we just haven't ever seen anything like this before. I know you're a big football guy, but I, I'll save you the uh, comparison between this and Ohio State's Chase Young. Evan, yeah, but that was a flight. <laughs> do we sort of like that Memphis is, is playing James Wiseman? Because they could get screwed. Now, my argument for playing him, Memphis's 2020 class is – it's not like – this is Memphis's window. This team with James Wiseman, with the rest of the members of the number one ranked recruiting class in 2019, this is their window. I say – you say, screw you, NCAA. You go out there and play. Right. You go out there and play. You make a Final Four if you can. I don't know if this team is currently constructed can do that. But you leave it all out there on the court – and we'll sort of remember what you do. The NCAA took away Louisville's national title. We still remember Louisville's national title. Or the NCAA could say, uh-oh, you're right. We'll sit James Wiseman, you know, be sort of a, a, a lost, forgettable team. You're saying Memphis. Memphis, yeah. Do you well, think they should be playing? There's here? a couple different ways to look at it. You know, one, uh, a school and especially the coaching staff always wants to look like they're being supportive of their players. And that's what they're exactly doing in this situation. They're being supportive of James Wiseman, arguably um, number one or number two pick in next year's NBA draft. But then also, if you look at the potential um, the, the potential penalties uh, for playing a player that the NCAA says is likely ineligible, uh, among those is a postseason ban. So you're you're playing with a little fire here. Um, I guess it also depends on what the alternative is or was. You know, if it's a eight, nine-game suspension, you know, then I probably would have leaned on the side of just having him sit those eight, nine games, uh, pay back the money, which we've seen scenarios like that before. Um, there's a scenario where a, a, a kid had taken $12,000, he repaid it, and uh, sat out nine games. I would probably lean towards doing that. That way you don't potentially cost yourself uh, a postseason ban and, and obviously that's the extreme that's the um, the highest possible penalty um, but it's also interesting to see all this play out especially in a time uh, where you know the name image and likeness stuff is such a a, a, a big heavy topic and and the truth is is I think if you ask the general population or the general college basketball or high school basketball fan, you know, the most of them are going to say they think these kids deserve and, and, and should have money. Uh, but unfortunately we still have rules in place. So it's, it's honestly um, just so unique. And uh, I, you know, if I was in Penny Hardaway's shoes, uh, I don't, I don't know what I, what I've done. Like I, re- I read Gary Parish's story uh, that basically, you know, laid out, um, on CBS Sports just basically laid out like rules are rules and we still have to follow them and there's a lot of truth in that. It is signing day so I'll ask you this about Memphis. They don't have any current commits in their 2020 class. Does this does the lingering specter of a postseason ban hurt them? What, like what's Well going the on? reason they don't have any commitments is because they had such a large recruiting class last year. Uh, obviously the, the number one recruiting class in the country but to go with James Wiseman um, they had a number of guys that were in the top 30 to 100 range and guys that they expect to be around a couple years. James is probably the only one and done out of that group. Well I could see Precious Achua going ahead and going to the draft but even him I think would be uh, really beneficial for him to stick around more. So the reason that they're they're they haven't been able to get any commitments is really because uh, players are waiting to see who stays and goes. All right. Um, 
we got a few more basketball headlines to I'll cram in here. Jump in if you hear anything interesting. Duke's Trey Jones did not play in the second half of Tuesday night's win over Central Arkansas with a head injury, but he should be fine. Number 22 ranked Auburn beat South Alabama by a point. Virginia has held its first two opponents to 34 points each. That's insane. Insane. Uh, have you been watching their games? It's not very riveting basketball. <laughs> uh, Cole Anthony, this was fun, dropped 34 points against Notre Dame last week, the most by a debuting player in North Carolina history. But, Evan, he was less efficient in the next game, channeling Kobe Bryant and going 7-4-24 from the floor against UNC Wilmington. Uh, Wilmington. I do know you want to talk about this. Arizona. Well, I want to talk about Cole, too. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, I saw Cole's first game of the year. Man, I mean, he is such a uh, gifted scorer, and uh, he's truly one of the more competitive players that I've ever covered. Um I've never seen him shoot the ball like that before. I think he was 5 of 11 or 6 of 11. I think he was 6 of 11 from 3. Um, that was always his weakness in high school was his shooting ability. Uh, so I think that's something to keep in mind and, and keep track of over the course of the next uh, or the rest of the season is, is has he improved or, or will he be a, right, right, exactly, or will he be uh, up and down. But the kid plays really hard. He's a, a natural scorer. Now I will say this. Um, if there was another area of concern – with Cole, it's it's sometimes getting in shot jacking mode and 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 potentially forgetting about creating opportunities for his teammates. Now Cole has always been on teams uh, dating back to high school where, in AAU where they needed him to score, um, but he knows how to play. He can score, but you also got to mix in mix in creating for others too. Yeah, six for eleven from three in that first game. Four for 11 in the second game with, again, seven for 24. That's 29%. It's not great. Uh, only a three assists that game, too. So we'll see. Um, but we've got a volume shooter on our hands, clearly. Uh, so Arizona is legit. Uh, they blasted Illinois 90-69. to 69, And the Wildcats are enjoying the spoils of their 2019 recruiting class at ranked number six overall. And it's no surprise at five stars. Nico Mannion, who had 23 against the Illini, and Josh Green, who had 20, are playing well. But number 40 overall prospect, and you're going to have to help me with the name if I butcher here. Zeke Naji. Zeke Naji has been the star. Uh, he's averaging 19 and a half per game. Yeah, he's 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 been tremendous. And I, I've just for the sake of full honesty, I've only seen a half of, of their season so far. It happened to be a really impressive half against Illinois. But there's been a ton of talk about Zeke Naji out of Tucson, uh, not only from – uh, NBA scouts and NBA executives, um, but I actually texted a little with with Sean Miller about it, and he raved about him. So um, Zeke Naji is a guy that, over the course of his high school career, steadily got better. You know, he was on the same AAU team with Matthew Hurt and a couple other. Uh, I think they had nine Division One players. So he, I, I think he was maybe in their shadow a little, um, and he's continued to blossom. And you can tell that he's gotten stronger since high school. Uh, but he can impact the game with his rebounding. He can impact the game with his skill. Um, and keep in mind, like a year and a half, two years ago, he was only six eight. Now he's six eleven. So this is this is what I like to call the the classic late bloomer. He's getting better. Uh, at just the right time, but he's far from the only freshman that's been impressive. Like Nico Mannion, uh, if you watch the second half of that Illinois game, you walked away from that game thinking, "Hey, this dude's a lottery pick. Like this really? dude has change of pace. 
He's got uh, ball screen reads. He's got a, a middle game. He's got runners and floaters. He can really shoot. He can create for others. And he was tremendous in transition in that game. So, uh, you know, those, those three freshmen at Arizona are, are, are pretty special, and they're, they're surrounded by some experience. So uh, I think Sean Miller has a, a pretty impressive team on his hands. Yeah, get back to the NCAA tournament. I'm excited to see what they do going forward. And now to Kentucky. And everyone's probably wondering why it's taken us so long to talk about this. So this is kind of funny. Of course, the number one team in the country, they lost at home last night, Tuesday night, to Evansville, 67-64. Myville. Yourville, yes. And you and I were texting about it. And I was, I, you know, I told myself Tuesday night, and I'm still kind of transitioning from football to basketball. Of course, I'm still sticking in with football right now, though we have the playoff rankings. And I said, okay, Trey, you need to watch you know, Memphis, Oregon, and you know, keep an eye on some other games. This was not on my radar. I texted you thinking maybe I was breaking the news to you that Kentucky <laughs> lost, and you go, I know, LOL. So anyway, <laughs> I didn't watch this, but Kentucky, these are my reports back from sources. Kentucky could not score in the half court. Kentucky got out-rebounded. What kind of sources they, do you need for The ESPN.com. <laughs> and, and our coworker, Josh Ayler. They suffered from poor shot selection, and they just got outplayed. And when you do all those things, and when you're number one in the country, and when you've got Kentucky across your chest – you're going to be pretty embarrassed. Um, the message boards and Twitter and, and the Kentucky fans who I know say that this is the worst loss in program history. I think that's a bit emotional on paper. It's really bad, but like this shouldn't have your panic meter going off. It's November 12th. I mean, then they lose to Robert Morris and like the, the NIT, but they yeah. wanted the season to be over then. Yeah, I mean, this is this is silly. Look, Kentucky obviously doesn't want to win or lose their third game of the season uh, losing to Evansville certainly doesn't look good. Um, but I actually really like the pieces on Kentucky's team. I mean, anybody that watched them play against Michigan state knows what they're capable of. Um, and also I think Kentucky fans have to keep in mind uh, when you look at uh, John Calipari's past and his history with teams, his teams steadily get better over the course of the year. Now this team does have a little more experience, you know, Ashton Hagens and Emmanuel quickly are sophomores, uh, Nick Richards has been around for a little bit. A.J. Montgomery's on his second season. So uh, they're surrounded by some good freshmen, Tyrese Maxey. Look, it's going to take them a little while to gel and, and, and fit together. This is not the time to hit the panic button. Uh, does it maybe reset things? Sure. Um, I think it's a – you know, there's another scenario here is like they Kentucky just moved to number one in the um, top 25 – I really don't think there's a dominant team in college basketball this year. I think it's there's going to be full of parity. I think we could see a ton of teams sit at number one uh, in the, the, the basketball rankings this year. And I, I do mean a ton, like double digits. We're going to see a lot of teams sit in the pole position. So the other cool thing about this is, and I know I'm rambling, um, is the connections that Evansville has back to Kentucky. Walter McCarty obviously won a national championship at Kentucky. It's his alma mater. Uh, one of their assistant coaches, Terrence Commodore, uh, was uh, a manager and then a GA, and then I think he even had an operations role under John Calipari at Kentucky. So uh, I'm sure he had him well scouted. Yeah, I don't – if I had a panic meter, and I know if you had one and you're not a very panicky guy, but th this was probably registered as like a three. Like yeah. I think this is fun social media fodder. And I think it's something to talk about right now. But this is this, Kentucky's yeah. goals are still in front of it. It's still a young team. A, this is not a the team season. it's going to be in February. And March. Yeah, it's it's a it's a long season. I 
I'm, I'm actually still a believer in the Kentucky team because I think that they have tremendous guards, especially really good defenders in Hagens and Maxie and quickly. And then they've got a couple shot makers uh, in Sestina. And I think they're going to be fine. But uh, obviously, you know, they're like any team. They take a lump every now and then. The other cool part about this game, and I know I'm going off topic, is Sam Cunliffe scored 17 points, six, re- six rebounds. He's a former top 50 player. Yeah, he uh, out of Seattle had uh, signed with Arizona State, went there and started um, for the first semester and then up and decided to leave, even though he was starting and getting a lot of shot attempts. Went to Kansas, didn't work out there, and then transferred to Evansville. So a a former top 50 player going into Rupp Arena and making a pretty big impact. Yeah, that's cool. On to the early signing period. Cade Cunningham to Oklahoma State resulted, and don't get mad at me, in your first ever crystal ball miss well not first ever but first in 2020 first in 2020 yeah and it it was the crystal ball was on kentucky Mm -hmm. and you received a lot of blowback for that which i thought was unfair because i mean tell me why it was on kentucky i I, generally i think it's stupid to, to to get upset at somebody for being you know momentarily incorrect well, I actually have been waiting to talk about this. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. I think one of the more interesting recruitments that I've covered. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I did get some, some feedback about it. Um, not necessarily the most positive, but that's what happens when you're wrong. Um, I think the, the – and I, I fully believe this, and you're not going to change my mind on this. No one in maybe the world is. Um, that my information when I made my crystal ball of Cade Cunningham to Kentucky was completely correct. I think on that day, he was fully intending to go to Kentucky uh, if he hadn't already committed to them uh, behind the scenes. I, I believe that to be true. Because um, your crystal ball came at, on the heels of his official visit, correct? Yeah, it was the Sunday uh, of his official visit. Okay. Um, and I, I believe that, that he – was fully intending on committing to Kentucky. The plan was for him to um, not take his visit to the to Washington the next weekend, and he was going to commit during the week. Turns out he does take that Washington visit, and then he pushes back his whole timeline. And that's when I should have realized that, you know, it was probably going to shift back a different direction. Um, but I fully believe that at that point in time, he was planning to commit to Kentucky and that they were – the the leader uh, he obviously pushes back his timeline and when you have a family member involved that's on staff at oklahoma state that obviously changes things and the longer uh that thing went i think the better it became for oklahoma state but if you'll notice in his commitment video he says at the end that he was this close to committing to another school and that school was was obviously kentucky yeah so oklahoma state wins out for the number two player in the composite and if they had not the fact that his brother is on staff would have made for an extremely awkward upcoming well, Thanksgiving. I think in recruiting sometimes, and I, the other thing I wanted to mention was Cade made it clear to the other coaches recruiting him that he was strongly considering going somewhere else. Now, there, I got a lot of calls from, from college coaches during the process asking, are we wasting our time? Should we even recruit him? Where, you know, wh- What do you think about this? And in most scenarios when a, a kid's family member is at that school – you probably are wasting your time. Cade went and convinced other coaches that they weren't and that he was strongly considering another option. 
Um, maybe just at that time he didn't realize that he was going to end up at Oklahoma State and the family factor would factor in. Um, I don't know. That's probably that's just a question for Cade. But uh, it was an interesting recruitment. And I'm glad you got a chance to talk about it. it was, uh, I thought it was, was that therapeutic. I, it was probably for you. I thought the, I thought the blowback was unfair. Um, other than that, though, Evan, it's been a pretty good cycle for Kentucky and other fellow blue bloods such as Duke and North Carolina. The Blue Devils, Tar Heels, and Wildcats are numbers one, two, and three. And the 24-7 Sports Composite Team recruiting rankings are these classes finished, is there meat left on the bone? And we're talking about this because it's signing day. Yeah, no, th- so I, I don't think all of these are finished. Uh, Duke could be. Duke's currently sitting at number one um, with uh, a, a really good class. They've got six commits, three five-stars, three four-stars, led by Jalen Johnson, a top-ten ki- kid, and then Jeremy Roach and DJ Stewart uh, are, are in the backcourt. Is this, is this Duke class, do you think, as good as the 2018 Zion R.J. Cam class? No, it doesn't have quite the star power. But maybe a little bit better than this class, but the 2019 class. What I like about it is it's got a bunch of program building guys. I, I don't think there's a lot of one-and-done guys here, but they have six of the top 40 players in the country. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think that they are likely done. Maybe they take a guy in the spring, um, but they're probably done. So they're sitting at, at number one just by a hair. North Carolina is at number two. They've got five commits, three five-stars, two four-stars. Walker Kessler and Dayron Sharp, it's interesting, both center prospects, both ranked in the top 20, both going to the same school. Um, and then Caleb Love, who uh, we actually have – uh, I think right around 20, I'll tell you right real quick. We have number 21 overall. I think he's going to move up this list when we do our final rankings. I I love his game. I think he's developing at just the right time. He's he's blossoming into a, a more of a true point guard. Um, he's one of, if not the best point guard in the class. So uh, his ranking will, will naturally go up. I th- Carolina is likely done in this class. They're, they have gone all in on five-star one-and-done talent. Well, I, I guess don't the NCAA lays off their backs. Well, so yeah, that's that's part of it. I mean, they because of uh, the NCAA stuff, it impacted their recruiting. And honestly, when you look at it uh, from thirty thousand feet in the air, from the sky view, like it may have helped them. Like they ended up having a lot of success with top twenty-five to sixty players. Uh, won a national championship, went to a Final Four. Like uh, this, but this is this class is different. This is their best class since 2009. Whoa! Um, and 2006 is probably dates as their best one, um, but this is one of the best classes that Roy Williams has ever signed. Those are two national title winning classes, so that's high praise. Kentucky, Kentucky, they're number three right now. So it's interesting because we can't really work it in the the, the, the rankings because right now it shows they have four commits. Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, both five stars. Lance Ware and Cameron Fletcher, both four stars. Devin Askew is not on this list, but he intends to reclassify. He's just waiting to officially do it uh, after the high school season. He's a five-star in 2021. So technically he's in that 2020 class, and I think Kentucky is looking to add uh, another post player. So when Askew gets in this class for Kentucky and then maybe they add a post player, probably a good chance they end up at number one. All right, so early signing period. we got a whole week of this. I enjoyed your top unavailable article. Uh, top available, I should say. Um, of the top 100 guys, there's a slew who are uncommitted. Most of them won't decide right now 22 of the 24 7 sports composite um top 100 are still available yeah so probably see eight of them ish make decisions in the next week 
Well, I'm sure you're going to be on top of it. I appreciate you joining me today. Yeah, no problem. Um, Thanks for having me. Also, if you're out there and you're looking for a good a good 10-minute read, Evan went in-depth on Bronny James, the 15-year-old who has 3.5 million Instagram followers, and sort of compared Bronny to LeBron at the same age, and we're talking growth spurt here. We're talking sort of the passing skill and the court vision. I thought it was really interesting. Um, one uh, sort of marketing expert, or I guess agent, uh, believes Bronny could get you know $250,000 per Instagram post. So it's... Yeah. Uh, it was a fun story to write. Um, I don't know. He's such he's it's just such a unique scenario. We've never seen a kid like this in high school. I mean, he's got more followers than ten NBA All Stars had last year. Um, and there's some names in that list too, like Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, I mean, there's it's it's ridiculous. Um, and you know, he's he's now at Sierra Canyon where they've built a ridiculous team. Um, there's just I don't know the the, the whole the whole scenario is going to be one to follow over high school. I mean, just people are drawn to the kid all of his games are sellouts like the AAU games they have to have security everywhere um so he he's it was interesting to hear his teammates talk about him wasn't able to talk to to Bronny but his teammates raved about him BJ Boston said by the time he's a senior he might be the best in the world and I I, I believe that he was referring to best in the world in high school yeah um, but the teammates raved about him. And then at the end of the story, I was able to talk to uh, now Duquesne head coach Keith Dambrot, who coached LeBron as freshman and sophomore seasons of high school and kind of compare what LeBron looked like as a freshman and sophomore in high school to what Bronny looks like as he enters high school. He's, he's about to play his first high school game. So I don't, it was, it was fun to put together and, and it's going to be fun to track. Obviously LeBron is one of, if not the greatest player of all time and, and we'll We'll see um, how Bronny develops both game and physically. I thought as you were sort of reporting on this story and talking about it, the the Sierra Canyon, they've built this super team over there. And it's like LeBron did that in Miami. He did that again in Cleveland. Now he's going to do it just a two-man game yep. in L.A. with him and Anthony Davis. So I thought, you know, like father, like son, surround yourself with the best talent. And Bronny's got this like web of influence too. Mm-hmm. You had a cool stat about all of his teammates as far as, you know, they see an Instagram follow boost just by playing with Bronny. So, yeah, I'd be interesting, to, you know, to track the next four years. I mean, he's he's going to be sort of touching all 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 you know, factors of high school basketball and maybe college too, if he decides to go. To no, hundred percent. I thought one of the, the, the um, best stats in that whole story was of the top 15 Instagram followings of high school basketball players. Including um, including Bronny, eight of the top fifteen were either Bronny or AAU or high school teammates, which is insane to think about. There's a couple names on that list that still haven't played high school games yet either. Uh, we don't know how, even how good they're going to be. Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting to put together and, and kind of see, especially when you map it out on paper. All right, that'll do it for today's episode uh, of the college, the twenty four seven sports college basketball show. Evan, thanks for joining us. I'll be back next week with Jerry Meyer. Should be a good week in the college basketball world. Early signing period, a lot more games. See what happens with James Wiseman. See if Cole Anthony keeps jacking up shots. See what Arizona's trio of freshmen do down there in the Valley. Catch you guys next time. Later. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.